Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the future of the water and wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about. And we have a special guest in the studio uh, this morning, the Director of Public Works of the Town of Portland, Mr. Ryan O'Halpin. Ryan, how you doing? Thanks for coming down. Good, good. Thanks for having me, Dave. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, we know that basically you've been involved uh, uh, well, fairly recently with the town. Uh, you, you just uh, came from the private sector uh, not too long ago, and uh, one of your charges uh, as, as public works director, obviously, is the uh, which falls under your purview, is the the water and the uh, the sewer departments or the, the wastewater departments. So. Uh, tell us a little bit about your day job. First of all, you know, um, I, I know you came from the private sector, so why don't we start there and uh, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, how you got into, uh, you know, your occupation and uh, going forward. So, uh, yeah, a lot to answer there, but um, I'll start from the beginning, I guess. Um, yeah, I majored in civil engineering in college. Uh huh. And coming out of college, I was more interested in bridge design and working on bridges and, um, I ended up working for Lane Construction as an estimator. Okay. And Lane does a lot of big projects, heavy highway, heavy civil work. Are they out of New Haven? They're out of, uh, used to be Meriden, oh, and Meriden. then they okay, moved yeah. to Cheshire. Ah, okay. There you go. And I was working, estimating. I was in the office 10 hours a day, 7 oh. to 5, and uh, that was it was a tough job. Yep. You're basically just drawing lines on paper and figuring out exact quantities and yep. putting pricing to it, which was, it, it, I learned a lot, but it wasn't for me long-term. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up, um, I applied to ONG and ONG, I got a job in the field as a project engineer. So I did some office work and then I was out in the field actually seeing work go on. And I got put on two jobs in Norwalk and Stamford, New Canaan. And down there, um, basically just uh, oversaw all the field work and made sure we were getting paid for everything. That's uh-huh. the big thing when you're working for a contractor. Yep. Make sure the money's coming in. Everything's billable hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, learned a lot, though, seeing everything, talking to the crews, talking to the guys that have been doing the field work for years. Learned everything about how to build a highway, build a bridge from start to finish, whether it's rebar, concrete, asphalt, earthwork, underground utilities, help build a power plant after those two projects in Stanford and New Canaan. That one, we did a lot of underground utilities. We did um, all the water, all the, all the electrical, all the, um, the, the storm water, the, the uh, drainage, everything. Um, Basically, all the site work. Yeah, and I was, I was, I was the go-to guy for our surveyor. Uh huh. So surveying, you're involved in every single aspect of the job, and it's all critical. It's all needed today. Yep, exactly. High stress stuff. Uh, working ten to twelve hours a day over there, and then um, got put on the Hartford job working um, on the new exit 29 interchange from I-91 to I-84 going to Boston. Okay. It used to be a single right lane exit, became a double left lane exit. Uh-huh. So we built a brand new flyover bridge uh, going to the Charter Oak Bridge, widened the Charter Oak Bridge, and widened five bridges before and after the Charter Oak Bridge. To get to it, yes. To get to it, correct. So that job... Um, 
I learned even more and I got put in charge. I was a superintendent on the night shift, Yep. which, um, it's different. You know, you're working 6 PM to 6 AM. You wake up around one, 2 PM and your phone, you have 10 text messages and you got to start calling your bosses and figuring out exactly what they want you to do that night. Sure. So it was almost working. If I'm not sleeping, I was working. Oh, yeah. That, that gets tedious after a while. And uh, but it you, was a great job. And, and the amount I got exposed to on that job was even more than the power plant. And, and so where I started, you know, prior to that, just building a highway. Sure. Um, well, being an engineer and so forth and, and, and being in the field, there, there are kind of totally parallel universes. And a lot of times... Uh, you know, engineers per se, you know, what, what, what gets drawn out on paper a lot of times doesn't work in the field when you get there, you know, so uh, you got to see both parts of that and say, uh, you know, it gets, uh, it gets challenging because a lot of times these engineer draftsmen, okay, they'll, they'll, they'll design something. Okay. And, you know, once you get out in the field, this, is, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And I think every designer knows that you're going to hit things in the ground. You don't know what's down there and you sure. can't do test pits. You can't figure out exactly how the soils are. You can't figure out exactly where the rock is. You could do borings, but it's always different. Yeah. yeah. Every time and every contractor knows it. And um, when you're dealing with, with traffic and on a night to night basis and you know something is going to go wrong. Sure everyone's ready for it you just got to be ready to pull crews go help someone that's in need you need the road filled in you need a hole filled because traffic's got to be riding on it at 6 a.m i got so, it done get it done um yeah high stress environment and uh inspectors were great to work with though we worked with aecom on the project we worked with the dot sure and that project ran very smooth. Oh, that's good. That's good. You know, fa fast forwarding for that, uh, you know, obviously uh, that job was stressful. You know, um, what made you, uh, you know, uh, come to work for the town of Portland? So while I was working there, uh, you know, just working the night shift and, and everything, um, I, you know, I started looking at what my options might be in the area. And actually the director a public works position opened up in my town that I live in in Cromwell. And that got me interested in the position because I saw basically I check every box on the yep. qualifications to do the position. And it's something different, um, a little more challenging, but I go back to normal hours. Yes. Which was huge for me. And um, I liked being a part, the idea of being part of the community and helping the public Mm -hmm. and being more interactive with a local area rather than jumping all around the state. And you don't even know where your next job is going to be. Sure, sure. Um, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of high stress staying at ONG. It was a great, great company, great position. I, uh, I loved being there, but I think there were too many question marks. And if I was going to have to work the night shift again on the next job, because I did a good job on this one, yeah, yeah. you don't, you don't want to get boxed in that way. Um, so I, di I didn't get a call back from Cromwell. They let me know they hired someone else. And then Portland had opened up uh, about a month or two later. Yeah. So yeah. I applied and I actually heard back in a week or two. Yeah. And two weeks later, after two interviews with uh, with Ryan Curley, I uh, I got hired for the position. Nice, nice. And uh, I was real excited about it, and and still am. Um, so I started back in August. It's now May. Yeah. So yeah. nine months later. 
So being being director of public works, just so everybody knows, you, you're you're wearing a lot of hats. Okay, not not only water and sewer, but you're you know, uh, talk about the, all of the other uh, purviews that you have too. So yeah, seven divisions. So we have the highway, which involves all every roadway, every town road in in town, and then you have grounds, which is every park, every uh, every lawn around every town building. Um, Every, everything uh, associated with uh, any grounds or trash pickup that we need to do around town, such as Main Street. Then you have vehicle maintenance uh, in charge of every vehicle in town. Then you have building maintenance, so every town building that's not a school. Yep. Um, in charge of all the HVAC, all the maintenance, making sure everything is functioning at every building. And then you have, obviously, the big ones, water and sewer. Yep. And uh, those, uh, I, it was new to me, to be honest. Uh, water and sewer, I was only exposed to in college. Yep. Uh, as far as water resources engineering, water quality engineering, um, knowing the numbers side on designing yeah. systems, but um, very different from what we actually have to do day to day and sure. getting the maintenance done and trying to locate projects and, and get everything fixed so we have a functioning water and sewer system right right well and again from a <clears throat> uh, a standpoint of uh dealing with both water and sewer now you're dealing with regulatory agencies that have you know each in their own uh various requirements uh you know both what on the water side and the, and the sewer side so tell me how that uh adjustment went <laughs> so yeah it's uh i i've learned things some things i i missed honestly in the beginning um I didn't really have a schedule of everything I needed to send over to DPH, DEP, and uh, there's quite a few things involved along with um, permitting and uh, our interconnection with MDC. We have another permit that needs to be renewed by the end of the year. Yep. Um, I just finished our uh, our CCR, which is our Consumer Confidence, Confidence Report, report yep. that we do uh, annually. And that went over well, but there were some changes I had to make. I had to, you know, the DPH had contacted me back that a, a few things needed to be added that were actually new this year that weren't on last year's yep. CCR anyway. Um, so there's been little things like that um, that I'm learning from from DPH and, and from DEP. But as long as you keep in touch with everyone, I, I think... Uh, yeah, communication is huge. Yeah, especially yeah you just got to communicate with everyone. Yes. Well, as you know, you deal a lot with, you know, the DPH and, uh, you know, I've had uh, quite a few members of DPH on, on this podcast, one of which one of the first ones that we had on the podcast was uh, head of DPH, the uh, Water Supply Division, Lori Matthew. So uh, I know you deal with her quite often, you know, as far as in relation and she's the, uh, you know, top of the food chain when you get the water supply up there. But uh, yeah, I mean, regulations are, are huge. And then, you know, going over to the wastewater side, that's that's a whole nother, uh, you know, bailiwick there from a standpoint of uh, uh, you're dealing with a different agency, you're dealing with uh, you know, the Department of Environmental Protection uh, and so forth. So tell us the contrast there. Um, yeah, so they're mainly the DEP is worried about our, uh, our effluent. Uh, so the influent comes in, it, everything gets treated at our sewer plant, and then the effluent goes out into the Connecticut River. Uh -huh. So that needs to get tested. We need to make sure we're doing everything we're doing to disinfect and clean the water Yep. Um, so everything is clean. So we need to send test results over to DEP. They're involved in inspections um, every, every so often. 
and um, they, they've been good to deal with as well. Well, you know, again, communication is, is huge. Um, you know, various regulatory requirements, and, and those regulatory requirements uh, change year to year because, you know, oftentimes you're getting into new legislation as far as, uh, you know, nitrogen removal as far as on the wastewater side. But, you know, one of the big uh, uh, buzzwords now with, uh, on the water side, obviously, is the PFAS and lead and copper service lines. And, okay, so, uh, you know, tell us how you're de dealing with all of that. So um, I'll start with the, uh, the lead and copper service lines. I, uh, I recently went through the, we have 2,300 services here in Portland. Yep. And I went through the full list and every galvanized service line, I assume to be a, a galvanized requiring replacement, which means um, there's the possibility of a lead gooseneck off of the main, which it was common um for years you know yep. in the early night early to mid 1900s that's that's uh what was done until everything switched over to copper yep yep and um lead being more pliable that you can you know have elevation changes whereas you know the galvanized is, is is more rigid and you know once you get on the elevation then you can go on uh with the galvanized and you know get to the house or the curb stop and so forth but uh, those lead goosenecks are more pliable and uh, a lot of time are, are more susceptible to you know basically leaking <laughs> you know plus the, the plus the corrosion factor the corrosion the, factor. Uh, which, which is what the concern is and, and the water quality side of the you know each service so it services each residence pretty much in, in case anyone uh, needed to get filled in on that and i i came across i think 120 services yep that were still galvanized <laughs> Uh, according to the records that we had scanned in four or five years ago. Yep. Um, so our water supervisor, uh, Bill Lynch, had gone through the list that I came up with and narrowed it down to, I think, about 60. So half of those had been replaced over the last five years. Okay. And, um, yeah, we're, we're actually in decent shape here in town. I did apply for um, DWSRF grant funding. Okay to replace the rest of the services at least on the town roads mm -hmm. it gets a little more complicated with the ones on main street and marlboro street as those are state roads mm -hmm. and the the repairs of the roadway become very costly when you're dealing with concrete pavement yep uh full depth and then milling and paving um in in a lot of locations which may cause a full mill and pave of the road right right yeah. uh, depending on what the dot would require yes uh, well especially on on uh, 66 marlboro street that's 12 inches of reinforced concrete which is uh, I, I i can remember many nights working on leaks on that trying to get through the concrete and you know getting down and, and uh, <clears throat> get through the rebar and all that kind of stuff which was very very uh tedious time consuming you know and we didn't have the technology now going out and getting a, a, a whole ram, you know, and breaking. We did it with jackhammer. So that was a little bit more uh, on the, the uh, labor side and, and tedious. So, yeah, that, that wasn't fun. A lot of times they don't let you use a whole ram on the, uh, on the concrete pavement in fear of cracking uh, areas that you're not working in further ah. down. So with, with ONG, we did a lot of concrete pavement replacement. And you have to saw cut the full depth, yeah. And then you have to remove it in a way that doesn't impede, that okay. doesn't uh, shake the whole roadway, so you're not cracking anything around it. Yeah, which basically we put these monkey fists. You drill core holes into the concrete, and then you lay in uh, these monkey fists, 
and you have to just work it out with cables, you know, attached to, uh, yep. attached to the excavator and you just have to lift them straight out. That's peace. Now when it's very warm, that doesn't happen often. And when you get this project started, you got to finish it. So yeah. what we ended up doing, we had guys with jackhammers, jackhammer out a corner. Yeah. And then we put a ripper tooth there and we popped them. And that also, you know, you're not using a hoe ram, then you're not, you know, smashing at the road and right. causing any, any cracking in the surrounding concrete. So we were able to do that. But it was either, yeah, it was either lift it straight out or or basically pop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after doing some light jackhammering. Yeah, uh, you know, the uh, DOT now has a lot more stringent regulations now than, than, than they used to have in the day and so forth now. Uh, you know, as far as um, uh, paving requirements, obviously, you know, uh, doing any repairs as, as far as both on, on water and sewer, uh, you know, obviously you have to adhere to, you know, a lot of the um, construction regulations and depending on if it's town road or state road, but, uh, you know, those can be uh, in, intensive as far as that goes. So, uh, you know, when you're, you know, what kind of maintenance as far as on, on, the, on the water and sewer systems, you know, are required, you know, that, that you get into? So um, on the water side, we're looking to replace uh, asbestos cement pipe around town. Mm -hmm. That's one of the the main goals um, we have on our you know five to ten year plan. Yep. Um, asbestos cement pipe. It's not. It doesn't necessarily put asbestos into the water system. Right. So the 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 issue is not the water quality. The issue is that when those pipes fail, they fail catastrophic. Yep. They're, they're not uh, springing a small leak like you would see on a copper line or a, or a ductile iron or a cast iron line. Um, you're going to get a full blowout. You're going to get a, yeah, a blowout a section. Yeah, a large hole, and you're going to lose pressure in the system, and it's going to be a all-hands-on-deck, um, you know, and long replacement. Yeah, usually at that time it's cutting out a piece and then putting in a uh, you know length of pipe and so forth. Yeah, you know, to go from there. yeah with a couple of clamps and... Uh, yeah, that 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 would be uh, the main goal. A lot of the a lot of the pipe is older, um, mm -hmm. as you know here in town. So, just getting around and replacing sections of pipe and replacing these valves um, are the number one goal right now. Sure. Well, the other thing from a budgeting standpoint, mm -hmm. as, as you know, the town of Portland, you know, gets probably sixty percent of its water through uh, the MDC interconnection. Uh, so you're 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 on a you know, a bubble there trying to balancing the uh, the utilization of our town-owned well versus, you know, taking water from MDC. So tell us uh, how you manage that. Yeah, so um, it, depending on the time of year, our well um, right now has, has a lot of water in it. The gauge is relatively high from, you know, a lot of rainfall over the winter, uh, rain and snowfall. And uh, without without it being hot out, there's not a lot of evaporation. So mm -hmm. everything is staying in the ground. Um, whereas the summer months um, last year, when I had started, the well could not run because the gauge was so low. Right. Um, we couldn't draw anything out of the well, so we are getting 90 to 100 percent of our water from MDC, mm -hmm. which is what we what we kind of anticipate every year. I would say. Right. So right, right now we're running the well as much as we can mm -hmm. because we know in the summer months we're not going to be able to. Right. Now, there's also a minimum amount of gallons we need to get from MDC as part of our interconnection deal with them, uh, which is 146 million gallons, mm -hmm. which would be approximately 12, 15, 
15 uh, or 1.5 or, or no. That's got to be uh, 15 million gallons a month. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Right around there. Yeah, so, yeah. We, so we try and hit that mark as much as we can. Uh-huh. Um, but it, the idea is less from MDC this time of year more in the summer and then trying to hit it on the mark the last sure. few months well obviously we can produce our own water for a third of the cost that we're buying from mdc so obviously the more that we can use our own water but again with that pay or take contract you know you're you, you're we've got to hit the minimum you, you got to hit the minimum as far as that goes so yeah uh you know and again our our, our gravel pack well is uh it's been in existence uh for for many years it's at our public works garage so um that's a uh you know, basically a gravel pack. It's a 60, I believe 60 foot uh, depth. And uh, it, it's back in the day, we were good for a half a million a day, but I think mm-hmm. we're probably closer to about 300, 350,000 a day now, I think. Yeah, we're, we're, I think on the average, we're, we're getting like four to 500,000 really? okay. still, uh, oh, still these days. But um, yeah, it's a 66 foot well. I think it was put in in the 50s. Yep. Um, from what I remember, I think around 1955. Mm-hmm. And um, we are currently looking for other water sources here in town. We have GZA hired um, to find alternate water sources, and we have test wells going in next week. So it's an exciting time. Okay. Um, we get to see, you know, other water water quality and potential uh, sources of water here in town. Mm-hmm. And we may be able to, um, you know, renegotiate our MDC contract for emergency use only, but we can't really have those discussions until we know what, what kind we of can get supply. on our own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and again, that's part of, uh, uh, y- your purview as far as in relation to public works director, you know, uh, you know, not only in the water side, but, um, you know, the, 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 the wastewater side, you know, what, what type of, uh, you know, obligations on, on the wastewater side, as far as maintenance and testing and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, on the, on the wastewater side, the sewer plant, uh, we had a, 20-year upgrade, um, I believe, 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. So right now we have things that are in need of maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we currently just finished the engineering for the clarifier, um, to the two clarifiers, which the clarifiers, uh, basically, the sludge settles in them. Yep, yep. Uh, prior to aeration and disinfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and those tanks, you know, there's a lot of rutting. Um, there's some rust on some of the metal components. Mm-hmm. The weirs, I believe, need to be replaced. Yep. Um, there's several things to do. So that, that should be going out to bid. Um, and it's going to be a costly project. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we need to do it. You we know, need to do it. Obviously, if we're going to be in the, in the wastewater business, it's the same thing. We've got to be in the water business. Okay. So uh, not only working on the, on the sewer plant, we also need to work on our pump stations. We have three um, sewer pump stations in town. Yep. Um, the two we're going to be working on are Coav Pump Station and Riverview Street Pump Station. Uh-huh. Um, the Coav Pump Station would be the larger part of the project. We, we're going to replace the pumps, the control panel, um, yeah, the, the VFDs, ev- yep. everything in relation to that pump system and the surrounding infrastructure with those pumps because the dimensions change for the pump itself. So everything around it, around it has to change, including like the check valves and the gate valves. Right, right. Um, to get that operating good, we, we did have um, a couple f- pumps fail over the winter, this uh-huh. past winter, which caused us to do a uh, 
like a one week bypass uh-huh. of the station, which I did have to report to DEP. Oh, that's another part of the regulations. Yes, <laughs> you got to keep them apprised of all of the. So uh, that is uh, that is something that that hasn't happened um, as far as um, our uh, our chief operator uh, has been here. Um, you know, in the past 30, 35 years. So, um, I was the one lucky enough to, uh, to be in charge at the time. Well, I and, can remember uh, it happened. I think, and before. it went very smooth. Jim, Jim did a great job yep. and, um, and, and our highway guys helped out setting everything up and set those pumps up. They stayed in all night. It happened at 10 o'clock at night yep. and, uh, they were here all, all day the next day. Yep. So, uh, developing that, uh, you know, temporary pumping system to bypass that pump house so you can get things flowing you know uh, yeah there, so. yeah otherwise there's going to be a backup and there's going to be a whole lot of people calling me um, oh, oh yeah unhappy <laughs> people calling you yeah <laughs> yeah after, so after. uh anything we got to do to to prevent that great great uh so basically on on um you know the the whole premise of the podcast ryan okay is is the, obviously the 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 labor market not only in our industry but uh you know a lot of under uh, industry is 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 become very very tight um you know to become obviously a certified operator wastewater or water operator okay uh we've got to get uh <laughs> no pun intended filling the pipeline here and getting things so what what advice would you give to students okay that you know you know either getting out going into college or in college uh, and so forth maybe to to attract uh, or consider you know, a uh, possible career within the water or wastewater industry? So the, the number one thing is that, uh, that college is not necessary to have a, a career in wastewater and water industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to learn, you need to take courses, um, but uh, a college degree is not necessary. Um, to If you are interested in, in getting involved and in getting involved with water quality, anything like that, I would recommend going for civil engineering similar to what I did except you could focus in on the water resources, environmental side of, um, of the engineering. Um, but yeah, it's something I think, I think each person needs to look into Yep. and there's enough resources out there, including this podcast, but out there, you know, you just Google search kind of what you're interested sure. in. And I think, I think you could find, you know, either courses, um, it could be, it could be technical courses. Yep. And, um, you know, one of the biggest, go that direction. Yeah, one of the biggest, you know, as far as in relation to, again, being certified as a water, either on the water side or the wastewater side. Okay. Uh, we have two, in, uh, two institutions that, uh, are in about gateway community college, which is down, uh, in New Haven. In fact, uh, one of the curators of the, the water, water program, uh, West Winterbottom, um, has been on this podcast. Uh, also there's Goodwin college, uh, up in East Hartford. Um, that is also uh, a, a resource that uh, students can look into uh, for possible, you know, uh, courses to to get certified as a state uh, operator uh, and so forth. And again, you don't have to, you know, uh, be a, a, a college graduate. And you know, the the career that itself is is a very stable career. Uh, it's a lucrative career, and uh, it's not a career that you can outsource, <laughs> you know, you need boots on the ground, okay, to, you know, to fix the leaks, to make things run every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, high school students, and even students that, you know, embarked on a college, you know, to look at uh, possible, you know, career avenues as far as that goes. So the other thing too, uh, on a personal side, what do you do for fun? 
Uh, for fun, I uh, so I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. So I was always uh, surfing, skateboarding, um, snowboarding. Okay. Uh, things of that nature. I don't surf or skateboard anymore, but I still snowboard in the winter. Okay. And then in the summer, um, golf. I enjoy golfing. I enjoy. Uh, hey, you're not too shabby golf. I not, can attest not, not to too, that. Not too shabby. Uh, <laughs> I need to work on it a little bit, especially coming off the tee. But um, yeah, I, I enjoy golf, and then uh, just hanging out with my wife, my dog, going on hikes, and uh, and just hanging around the house. That's great. That's great. You know, I think uh, uh, you know we did uh, had the have, have a pleasure of playing golf with you at our exchange club golf tournament, which is a great day, and uh, was uh, we got to do more of that because uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, go from there. I agree. So to go from there. All right, uh, Ryan O'Halpin has been in the house, ladies and gentlemen, and again. Uh, this is the future of the water and the wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about. And I'm your host, Dave Kosminski. And uh, Ryan, we're going to have to, because I didn't turn this camera on right away. Okay, we're going to have to put a still shot in there until we turn the camera on. So I just want to let everybody know to go from there. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode of the future of the water and wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about. And uh, again, Mr. Ryan O'Helpin, Director of Public Works for the Town of Portland, who is uh, in charge of both the water and the wastewater among uh, six other uh, departments in town was nice enough to come down uh, and share his expertise. So thanks again, Ryan. We'll see you on a rebound. Thank you. Thanks, Dave.